he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Thank you for taking time to join us as we take time to learn from God's Word together. The message you are about to hear comes from the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Listen to more sermons or learn more about the church at our website, capenazarene.org. I'm going to share with you from Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to... I'll read it for you now, but I'm going to bounce back into it. And so if you open up your Bible, feel free to keep a finger there. I'll, keep, uh, I'll come back and reread some sections. But Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says this. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but the one will, the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption the redemption of our bodies. For in hope, we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words, and God who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn within a large family. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified... He also glorified. We are spending some time over these weeks talking about what it means to be a people of grace and to be partners with God in discipleship and His plan of salvation for the world. We have uh, been throughout uh, the New Testament a little bit, bounced back and forth, just looking at the ways in which we see God's grace is present again and again. In the book of Romans, leading up to this point, Paul has already kind of laid out uh, the basics of the plan of salvation. He's already kind of laid out who Jesus is and what he wants to do for us. We've already heard such verses that uh, we've memorized in the past probably. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so... um, And so he's already kind of laid out that this is uh, uh, the salvation. He's already kind of gone through a little bit of Romans about the the struggle we have with sin, the struggle we have living in a fallen world, living as children of Adam who are slaves to sin and and, and living in that whole, like, I know that I have a better idea of the knowledge between good and evil than God does, and what it's like to live in that kind of world. And the hope that we can have as children of Jesus Christ because of the salvation that He brings. And He is inviting us into that future and into that promise. And He knows that uh, the Apostle Paul is letting us know this is the plan, this is the future, this is what God has for us. There is freedom through Jesus Christ. And this freedom is great, but while we currently 
live out our faith, and we're currently living out that hope, the, the, the power of the hope of eternal life through Christ, the, the freedom from sin that Jesus gives, and, and the hope that we might have in the darkness of this world, He's letting us know that it is, we still live in difficult times. And He takes a moment to compare our sufferings to that of Christ and to remind us that despite whatever we might struggle with right now, Nothing compares to what lies ahead, to what is in store for those who believe. This is what he begins with. And so when he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us, he looks at a church and says, yes, I know your sufferings, but let's look ahead. And he says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God, for the creation was subjected to futility. Not of its own will, but the will of the one who subjected it. And this story, this, this, this passage of Scripture is telling us, Paul is saying to the church, I know what you're going through. I know the trials of life. Be faithful through that. There is a better future. For, for him, writing to the Romans, in ancient Rome, yeah, it was hard. They had a leader who was absolutely, had been, opposed to Christianity. At the time he's writing this, the current Caesar has just said to the Jews and the Christians, okay, you can come back into the city. And so they were out for a while, kicked out. Finally, they can come back. But of course, they lived apart from each other for a long time. Now they're back in Rome and they're having some disagreements and they're having some like, we've got to figure out how to live together again. And so that's part of the reason why Paul is writing this letter. And they're trying to figure out how to live together as Romans. But also, What's going to happen with the next leaders is that is when the persecution is going to start. And Paul's letter and the words like that which he wrote here become preserved for us precisely because of the way in which the Holy Spirit worked through these words through the Apostle Paul to preserve and give hope to a church that said, we need to know what are we going to do in the midst of all of this mess. And Paul says to us, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory about to be revealed. He says to a church suffering through that, and you know, and they still had all the regular problems. They still had the worries of, what, what am I going to do with uh, uh, my health? What am I going to do to put food on the table? What am I going to do if, uh, to make sure my children are, are taking the right step that they need to take in life? They still have all those worries on top of, oh, I think the church is about to be persecuted again. He says, let us have our eyes fixed on the future and the plan that God has in store for us. And notice when he says that creation waits, he says that for right now they are frustrated. For right now they are waiting. They are being subjected to futility. They are right now just just hoping for liberation. In other words, he recognizes that we have bodies and lives in a world that fades away, that dies, that decays, that a world that seems like it's spiraling out of control. And, and sometimes we can wonder, yeah, it just seems like everything's going downhill. And uh, he says, we are looking for what else God is going to do. And it's normal and it's natural. In fact, things that fall apart is a part of what it means to be mortal. It's a part of what happens in our world. There's 
And it is indeed frustrating and it's its own kind of headache when things don't work the way they always did. When you're looking like, oh, that was nice carpeting until, well, that strand came out. And you're like, oh, how frustrating is that? Or when something breaks, like, oh, now i got to fix that too. Or, you know, when you, you're in a world that you realize, oh, things just keep falling apart or breaking. You're like, what's going on? Jen said to me before uh, we brought the grill out for today, for, uh, she said, make sure you tighten up all those screws <laughs> so it doesn't fall apart on the way over. Yep, things just keep unraveling. That's just how things go. And Paul knows this. In fact, I remember as a kid watching uh, that blockbuster movie, Jurassic Park, and there was an old scientist there that represented the, the thinking of the times and sometimes the theories even of today that the whole world is devolving into chaos was his big push. The whole world's just devolving into chaos. And Paul recognizes that for the church right in his time, and sometimes for us, we can look around and say, man, I see sin rampant. I see, I, I see everything that's wrong. I think, oh, everything's just falling apart. What's God going to do about this? And he says to the church in this moment, in these times, wait in these moments in faithfulness and know that there is a different future than what today seems to have in store. We can see all around us from what, everything that seems to go wrong or, or from illness or, or decay or, or whatever that happens around us and say, okay, this again, what happens now? And Paul tells us that part of the reason we're going through this is that so that we might remember or we might see despite all of this that there is still freedom from the bondage to decay, that there is still liberation from death, that there is indeed a greater future than whatever the chaos around us might have in store for us. Uh, I mean, this is, this is him saying there is indeed a hope that we can be freed from uh, this death. And this is, comes precisely through the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, normally, uh, when I first started ministry, I didn't need a whole lot of, I didn't have to think a whole lot about uh, life after death or things like that. Like, I was in my 20s, and in your 20s, that's like the age of invincibility, right? Like your teens and your 20s, that's when like everything is going to go right, and you can do anything. It's, it's why the military does so well at getting like teens and 20s, because they think they're invincible. And so, like, this is, this is, that, that is the age of I can do anything. Nothing reminds me more than being in my 40s that, no, I'm still mortal, and I know some of you are thinking, well, just wait until the, the next decade. Uh, but, you know, like, I can't hit a volleyball without my shoulder getting sore. If I wrestle with my son, my back reminds me. Uh, like, all these things that remind me, yeah, I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm not invincible. My mortality is manifesting itself in me. I know what Paul is talking about, that there is indeed just kind of a way in which this world functions. And sometimes... Those create huge groaning moments, painful moments where we cry out, God, what is happening? What do I do? How do I get through this? And why am I putting up with this? This is, Paul, Paul references this. He knows this. And so he says, we know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. Not only this creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption and the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what is seen, but if we hope for what we don't see, 
We wait for it in patience. Paul acknowledges that, that to the Romans that mortality manifests itself again and again in the struggles that they face. And that the very reason it does that, he says, is so that we don't squander our lives and our health. That those are all moments where we can recognize, wait a minute, but there's got to be something more than this. There's got to be something more than just the de-evolution of, of life and the chaos that, that flows from everything that's wrong in the world. There's got to be something more that maybe I can't see yet that is a part of God's creative plan. And, and, and Paul is suggesting that perhaps we can see these kinds of moments as catalysts for hope. Okay, God, I know there's got to be something more. And he suggests that this is the very hope of the gospel of our good news. The very creation story is a creation story about God's spirit, the way it's told in Genesis chapter 1, hovers over the chaotic waters, over the, the preformed world or the void of of, of everything and speaks into creation, a new order. In fact, if you look at the very order of the days, the days are very ordered from general day one. You got light and dark. Day two, you got earth and sea. Day three, you got, um, you got the separation of the sea, so there's land and there's earth. And then days four through six is the population of those. You've got the stars and the night and the sun and the day. You have the birds and the animals and you have, or the, the, the plants, and, the, and then you have uh, the birds and the fish and the animals. This is all a very ordered world that God has set and desired for us. And it's this way of remembering that what the Holy Spirit wants to do is speak into the chaos and mess of this world and bring something new out of it. And so Paul speaks to the Romans, and he, and he recognized we are not in this alone. We do not suffer through life or await our Lord by ourselves. Paul is saying we have the Holy Spirit with us as an intercessor, as one who just as created order in the world is here to speak into whatever we are going through in this world as well. And so he says the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what's in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit is interceding for the saints according to the will of God. That we can turn to God and say, God, this is what I'm going through. This is what life looks like right now. And I just give it over to you. And sometimes that prayer is hard. I know that. I've heard some of you say that to me. And sometimes that prayer does come off a whole lot like a sigh and a whole lot like an ugly sigh. <laughs> Where it's just cry out, God, I need your Holy Spirit right now to be with me. And Paul says to the church, he is. And God dwells with us in those chaotic moments. When he says all things work together for the good of those who love God, he is saying, despite all those things, God can create order. God can create something good. This is not with all things or by all things. In fact, even the NIV says in all things, which is a way of saying in the midst of it all, of all that ugliness, of all that's bad, God can do something good. 
It's Paul's way of saying, you know, God isn't manipulating it. God isn't saying, you know, I just got to build some character in these folks, so let's give them this or that to deal with. Paul is saying, church, in the struggles of life, in the struggles of what happens next, know God is with you. He has a plan and he has a future for you. For it is in all these things and despite all these things, God can work in and among us. He gave an example of labor pains, which is an, an incredible example. Like, labor pains are something that I've only ever heard of. But after a birth, there are two questions that get asked all the time, primarily between mothers, primarily between women. Two questions that get asked all the time. Anyone will ask the question, well, what's the name? What's the gender? Those are two questions anyone will ask. But women will ask these two questions. How long was the labor? (laughs) How much did the baby weigh? (laughs) Right, there is a narrative being told here about the labor pains. In fact, I, I would bet most fathers don't know the weight of their children unless... Their wife has reminded them a number of times. (laughs) Labor pains uh, are something that is, it is is the tremendous moment that that makes an indelible difference and impact in uh, in the life and memory and the stories that get told among mothers. And yet, a funny thing happens months, years after all of that. Oftentimes, they find themselves going, hmm, I wonder if I should go through that again. (laughs) It is this this fascinating experience. And so Paul talks about this as an example of saying, sometimes whatever we face as a church or whatever we face as Christians, perhaps to be able to see there is something so much more that we can't even see yet, that we can't even fully comprehend how good and beautiful and amazing it is going to be and how fulfilling it is going to be in our life. But somehow we'll realize it will make it all worth it. There's a a hymn. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. This is the story Paul says to the church. This is the hope. This is, that is what he's sharing with him. God will work through it all for something so much more. Part of the plan of salvation, even the image goes, is to be born again. That we would come to bear the image and the likeness of Christ. And part of that image to be like Christ is to go where God desires us to go, to be working among the people God desires us to be working among, to be people of grace entering into the mission of God wherever it is and however ugly it gets. And so Paul speaks to the Romans who very easily could say, man, we're ready to pack up and leave this town again. Or when we say, we're just going to hide in our corners and we're just going to hide from the authorities. We're just going to keep to ourselves. Or perhaps I can't deal with that person who just came to the church from out there. Maybe they should leave again and I'll stay here. All these kind of struggles in life. And he says, no, we're going to work together in this for what God wants to do to share indeed the hope and the ordering God can do in the lives of his people. And so church today, I invite us to be people of grace who want to enter into the mission of what God wants to do. And today I want to ask you that I think... One of the core ways we might be able to do that 
is to ask ourselves, take a few moments and think to yourself, who is one or two, maybe three people who God has laid on my heart, who I know is, whether they're going through something or whether God is still working on them, we've talked about this before, God taps on our shoulder before we even know we need to turn back to Him. God is tapping on shoulders of people and whispering and softening hearts that we may not even know how He's at work. But perhaps we can say, hey, I, I know God is working on this person. My prayer is that God is working on this person. And I'm going to pray and make it a part of my patterns of prayer that these two or three people, again, again, I'm going to be praying, God, keep opening up eyes, keep softening hearts, work in their life, work in their life. Share it with your prayer partner. Share it with someone in a small group and say, you know, I'm praying for, I'm praying for this one. I, I love this person. Now, now, if you share it, there's a way to do that. It's not, uh, it's not, oh, this person needs Jesus. <laughs> it's not, uh, what's, 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 they, what's the way they said it uh, when I lived in Arkansas? Oh, bless their heart. <laughs> Which is a backhanded way of saying, oh, they're in trouble. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, it, but instead it's a way, I love, I love this one whom God loves. And just as I'm trying to figure out the order God is creating the chaos in my life, I know they're trying to figure it out too. And in praying together, what we find ourselves doing is we find our hearts yearning for, it's never judgment, yearning for and love for those around us. It's a way of hoping and praying that indeed God's going to work and if I can be a part of that, great. And in that prayer, I think what God can do is He starts to soften our hearts too. How are we going to be people of grace to help people see, hey, God's been there, I've been there too. It becomes that story of, oh yeah? How long have you been going through that? How heavy is the load? (laughs) It's conversations of going alongside. And then what happens when someone responds to that and comes to the church? Someone responds to that or or, or joins us or, or we visit them and you know you've been praying for them. It's entirely different greeting, isn't it? Because you know, wait a minute. I've I've come to like care for you. I love you. God loves you. I'm so glad to see small steps forward, responses to grace. How might we recognize that together we are entering into whatever God is going to do in this world around us because we recognize there's a greater hope and there's a greater future. That what we see around us isn't the end. Whatever struggles we have isn't telling the story of what's going to happen in the future. There is something so much more, something beautiful, that God is going to surprise us with? And how can we be a part of God's movement and being where God is, even still a spot where he's still tapping on shoulders and saying, hey, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose for you. Let's ask God how we can be a part of that. I'm going to go to prayer. I'm going to pause before I start praying. Who are those two names, maybe three, that you're praying for? In this moment of silence, um, Lift them up to the Lord in your own words, in your own thoughts and prayers today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the words of Paul that remind us that you are with us, that you are the God who is in the thick of things with us, that your Holy Spirit dwells with us and empowers us through this life. And Heavenly Father, Help us to share that. Help us to be partners with others in this journey struggling through this sinful world to recognize that you are the God who is still breathing out your spirit into this world, that you are still creating purpose, 
that you are still creating hope, that you are still creating order in, in people's lives. And it is my hope and it's my prayer that we would find in you a new kind of hope, a new kind of outlook, a new future that determines our steps and determines our directions. And Heavenly Father, help us to partner with the work that you are doing. Keep us humble. Keep us gracious. Keep us loving. And invite us into new areas and into the lives of those whom we have lifted up to you. That they may know, love, and receive your grace. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about how Jesus can make a difference in your life, please email Pastor John at pastorjohn at capenazarene.org. May God richly bless you as you serve him today.